And so today, as we, uh, we we're going to begin a series, it's a seven-week series, and it's entitled, What Matters Most? What Matters Most? And so along with this, we have prepared a, a seven-week discussion guide. And uh, it is available in a print form. There's some copies at the welcome desk, and it's also available to download. It was on the, the weekly drive, and I think it's on our link tree as well. And you can get that, and it's for life groups. That's been sent out to them. It can be for you as, as individuals, as a family, uh, have conversations around a, a meal. Um, you can use it personally for your own devotions, although ideally, it's good to have some conversation about these things, and that's the way it's, it's built. So make sure you, you bring that alongside you uh, as we walk through this series uh, together over the next uh, couple of months. Now, why do we want to do this sermon series? Um, if you have been a part of our, our church for the last number of years, at least, you, you realize we typically, and our, our preferred way to go through in our, our sermon series, is to go through a book of the Bible. We just finished the book of James right before Christmas, and that's our, that's our go-to, is to take a, a a book of scripture, and to walk through it chapter by chapter, um, verse by verse where we, where we can, and, uh, and that's how we prefer to study God's word and apply it into our context. And that's our, that's our go-to. But every once in a while, there's things that we, we sort of need to, to take a, a different, a broader view on in terms of our, our people and our congregation, the culture of our church. And that's where we need to look at our mission statement, what are we about, and, and what are our values? And so that's what we are doing. So this is a little bit more of a, of a topical study, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's void of, of scripture and biblical basis. And so with this, why do, we, why do we do this? Two main reasons that I've you know, really been looking at why we want to do this series. The first one is this, is that there's lots of new people in our church, and uh, you should know what we are about it would make sense, right, that you come and you become part of us, and you should know what we are about. I want to just give you a few things uh, for your information, uh, if you are new or even if you're visiting today, so you know a little bit about us. College Drive Community Church, currently right now, we have about 235 regular attenders, regular attenders. Um, if you notice, we, we have lots of room. We have a, a big facility. We have about 235 regular Attenders. Now, how do we know who is a regular attender? That's a, sometimes a challenge. Here's my very simple methodology for knowing who's a regular attender. If we're not surprised to see you in church, you're a regular attender. <laughs> and you laugh, but it's, it's kind of that way. It's like we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be shocked or surprised to see you on a, on a Sunday, right? And, and that's, that's kind of like just a regular thing. We, we know that you've... Uh, whether you're part of a life group, part of a ministry, or just regularly attend you know, church, we, we're not surprised to see you, and, uh, and that's some way or another indicated that you, you feel like this is part of where you are connecting to in the life of, of your faith. Now, the reason for this, obviously, is because regular attenders, where if it used to mean like every Sunday, um, it, regular is really fluid right now, right? As far as you might work different shifts, you might work out of town for a while, 
And we also realized that in the last, especially you know, before Christmas, uh, and maybe it continues, it's maybe never gonna end, but families, especially with kids, have experienced this, where you get one child is sick one week, and then you can't go to church. And then the next week, the other, your other child, some, some of you have families, you know, three, four, five kids, and it's been like weeks, and you, you've lived in this. And that's been really heavy, but it's also meant, you know, you haven't necessarily been to church, uh, you know, weekly. Some other things for you to know, um, out of that 235 people, 88 people are new to our church in the last 18 months. That's like 37% of our regular attenders. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. And that, that changes a lot. The culture of our church changes in that. And one thing that we found as well is that if you perhaps are one of those those 88, and just saying that that's not, that's not visitors, like that's not a visitor list. Those are people that have come to our church and have connected in some way and indicated that, yeah, this is going to be their church, 88. Now, and that includes, you know, includes children, um, but one of the things about that is it, it changes the dynamic sometimes when you are new and you come into a new church. And if there's an expectation that someone will, will say hello and welcome you, and we hope that that is your experience, and many of you have said that, 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 that you found this to be a welcoming church. Uh, but sometimes when you're new and, and a bunch of other people around you are new, then you kind of, you aren't necessarily going up to them and saying, hello, welcome, because they're new too, and you're new, and so you don't know if they're new, and they don't know that you're new, and so you feel like, well, maybe they're not a very friendly church because they're not talking to me, but they're just new. So this is, this is part of our, our reality. So all in all, just, just be friendly <laughs> to everybody. We have 80 people from our, in our church that are involved in life groups that meet weekly or, or bi-weekly or monthly. And that's, and that's really good. That's really solid. We, we love that, and we'd love to see that grow. We have 86 people right now that are a rough number, but, you know, given, that volunteer in ministries of, of some kind or another within our church. Again, that's, that's a high percentage, and we'd love to see that grow. Um, don't have time right now to tell you all the other areas that you could be involved in if you're, if you're not involved, but there is plenty of places for you to get involved and serve. But 86, that's pretty good. Uh, you'll hear this if you're sticking around for our meeting, but we have 120 members right now. And, uh, and in that, we also want you to know that we are, we're not a... You know, we are a community church, and so sometimes it takes people a while if they come and they realize, is this, is this like an interdenominational or non-denominational or independent church? We're not. We don't stand alone. We're part of a family. We're part of a conference, which is the Canadian Conference of Mennonite Brethren. And we have 230 churches across Canada, and our denomination has roots from the 1500s, the Reformation, but was formally established in 1860. And there are conferences of MB churches throughout the world in, in 22 different countries. And, and some of them would be ones that you wouldn't necessarily expect for, for Mennonite brethren that uh, have their roots in, in South Russia and various places, but uh, currently very um, growing areas in India and Brazil uh, and Congo. So, um, but we're, we're part of that larger family. And if you're going, well, I don't really understand what Mennonite Brethren is. Um, we did go through a series a couple summers ago as far as what all of our confession. 
And uh, you can find that probably, but also we have a booklet and it's just called our Confession of Faith. And so it's not, not something that we just say we believe and we stress this. It's not just our statement of faith. These are things that we seek to live. That's, it's very important to us that a confession is a, is a living, breathing kind of document. It's not on par at all with scripture. There's things that occasionally change and we have to adjust in there. Um, not very often though, it's pretty solid. Uh, but that's what we are really about. And so if, you have curi- if you're curious about that, just ask at the welcome desk and we have those available to you and you can also find it online. That's our MB Confession of Faith. So that's, that's one reason why I want to do this series. So you know what, we're new people. What are, what are we really about? What are we going to here? And secondly is this, is that mission is one thing, but mission drift can also happen very easily. Mission drift can happen if we, we move aside from what is our, our primary mission. If we don't communicate this, if we don't communicate what we value and also call and invite other people to, to value those same things. If we're all about different things, it, it really gets messy. There's always a danger uh, in this. Any organization, any of the ones even that we talked about in the game show, uh, there's potential to miss the mark. And so, you know, you go into a coffee shop, you go to Starbucks, and their mission statement is to inspire and nurture the human spirit, one person, one cup, and one neighborhood at a time. And you may not have heard that before. You might have gone to Starbucks this morning, and you might have not thought at all about being inspired or nurtured. Probably like me saying, I really just want, you know, a grande quad shot Americano stat. And if I'm inspired and nurtured, great, that's bonus. But behind the scenes, this is their mission. But that may not always happen. Sometimes maybe your coffee is cold, or they forget your order, or they get it wrong. And then for sure you go, okay, their mission is falling short. This happens in in all organizations and also in churches, but we can have drift. So how does this mission drift happen? And we can also look and see, is this happening to us. Mission drift happens when we overemphasize some things. Okay, we overemphasize butts, bucks, and buildings. And I'm sorry if, if butts is, uh, is offensive to you, but just being a little cheeky there. <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. Butts, bucks, and buildings. These are some things that we, we look at and we evaluate and we say, are we, are we doing these things? Is, is there people in, in, the, in the pews, you know, wearing out those, those orange pews? Um, you know, is there bucks? We're going to be looking at our budget uh, afterwards and our, and our building. And so all these things, realizing that these can be indicators of health, we would say this happens. Like attendance grows when people recognize that there is health in a body, and they recognize where the presence of God is, is among us. And, and we've heard that from, from various, a lot of new people that have come in the last 18 months. So it really sense that there's a spirit here that's healthy, and it's growing, and that God is among us and moving, and, and that's good, and that, we hope, will continue to grow. People also come when, when love is tangibly expressed, People give to something that has purpose and vision. And we want to be a good steward of our, of our building. You know, we've, we've held back on some significant things in the past number of years because we didn't want to sacrifice ministry. 
and, and budgets are always tight. But what that's meant is in the past, we've, we've gone through, we've had a, a crumbling parking lot, and we've had a, an education wing roof that's, that's been leaking, and those things have needed to be addressed. So all through this, we've had to remember what we're really about and not be compromising on mission. Mission drift also happens when we focus on fun, overemphasize fun and fellowship. You know, church can easily turn into a social club. I like fun, and I like fellowship, and I'm, I'm totally okay with doing a game show in church and having, having fun. That isn't the point, though. It's not the purpose, the primary purpose. They can be tools, but they shouldn't be mistaken for our primary mission. When I was a, a youth pastor, uh, and I think I've talked with Carson about this, but I, you know, I, we had often in our youth group, there was two different types of kids. There was kids that grew up in the church and were, were Christian kids, Christian family kids, and those that came that were friends and were, were not Christian kids, and we were glad that they, they both came. But what we noticed and what we, we told to the parents of, of the kids who were from our church and the, and the Christian kids is that we asked them, what is the question that you're asking your kid when they come back from youth group? And the predominant question was, did you have fun? Did you have fun? And we told them, you know, that's, that's what the non-Christian, non-believing parents would say to their kid, because that's kind of the expectation, and, and what non-Christian kids would come to youth group saying, like, I want to have fun, I want to be with my friends, and, you know, spiritual growth isn't their immediate response, this is what they want. But what was happening is that the Christian parents were asking their Christian teenagers a non-Christian question, family question, right? Did you have fun? And so the Christian kids were thinking about this and asking, and they started saying, well, that's what is really valuable about what I'm going to, is fun. And so they were, you know, there were some events that were just meant to be fun, and that's a good question. But when they were doing Bible studies and worship nights and prayer nights and service projects, and then they'd come home and the parents say, did you have fun? And the kid's are like, no, didn't have fun. Youth group sucks. So this is what happens when we, when we place our, our mission and our value in something that, that is out of line with what our primary mission is. You know, personally, I, I hope that some of you, you leave church, you know, mad, I don't, I don't know if mad, but like uncomfortable or conflicted sometimes. I don't, I don't even mind getting the, the odd letter, you know, where you disagree with something that's said because, you know, you're engaging, you're wrestling with things. Now, if you're just trying to be a pot stirrer, that's different. But there should be things that, that challenge us, that confront us, and that aren't fun. The book that we're reading with our elders, it's called Gospel-Centered Discipleship. And in, it, in the chapter that we just read and discussed this last week, it said this, is that we should expect God to disagree with us. Our aim should be to align our thoughts with God's thoughts, not his thoughts with ours. What he calls us to is for our good, but it's not always fun. Thirdly, mission drift happens when we, we focus on wishes and wants and warm fuzzies. You know, I, I said it, I, I like coffee, I like strong, dark coffee. I think we have pretty decent coffee in Cafe Soul. Sometimes I wish, you know, I wish we had an espresso machine and we, maybe we roast our own blend and, uh, you know, all these different things. And I think, would that help to accomplish our mission? 
maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I realize that's just my preference. It's just my preference. You know, some of you, you might like jazz or, or country music, and you wish that our, our worship teams would do more country jazz songs. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, our preferences and our likes or dislikes come into play a lot. And if we're not careful, we can, that can be part of drifting from our mission when we become, we become so focused on what we prefer. Our mission is exactly that. It's ours. It's something that we all need to own and live. And so all this to say, we want to invite you into this mission. And we want to come alongside you and assist you in accepting it. You know, if you've watched the old Mission Impossible show or any of the Tom Cruise movies, you hear this, you know, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then it defines it, and then it says this message will self-destruct. But, but you know, it's like you look at it, and what would happen if they, they read it, they looked at it, and said, no, nah, I don't want to do that? Well, short movie, <laughs> right? No, they, they accept it. They may not exactly follow it all the time and do exactly, probably go rogue a little bit once in a while, but accomplish the, the purpose. But, but that's, that's, for us, is that as we communicate the mission to you, each of us, each of you, should ask yourself, is this what I'm signing up for? Is this what resonates with my spirit? Is this what I see in God's word as the mission for disciples of Jesus? And, and if it's not, then that would have to be something that you say, is this, is this the right community of faith for me? So here we go. Long-winded introduction there, but uh, out of, this is our mission statement. Out of a growing love for God, and compassion for others, our mission is to be and make followers of Jesus. Can, you, can we say that all together? All right, here we go. Nice and, nice and clear, okay. Out of a growing love for God and compassion for others, our mission is to be and to make followers of Jesus. Okay, that's it. And, and I think it's something that you can remember and, and hold on to, to be a follower and to make a follower. just want to unpack a few things in this, in this statement. These followers, we also call, and Jesus called, disciples. What is a disciple? Through the last number of years, as we've done different series that have included, okay, what is a disciple? What does it mean to follow Jesus? This is sort of a, a definition, a statement that we have used for this, and that's this. A disciple is one who, out of intimacy with Jesus, patterns their life after his character and his priorities. That's a, that's a disciple. A few important things in this is that we say it's, it's one out of intimacy with Jesus. There's a relationship. You don't follow Jesus void of, of love for him. Otherwise, it's just duty. And our following has to come from desire and, and delight, not duty. Talks about patterning your life after his character and his priorities. What was the character of Jesus like? Lots of things we could do a whole series on that for sure. But just, 
a small glimpse from Galatians 5, to 25, the fruits of the Spirit. This was so evident in the life of Jesus, in his character. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So all these, these fruits were so evident in the life of Jesus. Are they evident in ours? Jesus was kind. Are you kind? It's a good, good question, actually, to ask people around you. Am I, am I kind? Am I gentle in spirit? So Jesus was not self-seeking. He wasn't arrogant or proud. Does that look like you? A disciple is growing in these character qualities to look more and more like Jesus. Priorities of Jesus. Well, we realize he was a servant. He loved people sacrificially. He cared for the poor and the outcast. He spent time in prayer. He knew the word. He took time for the little ones. He brought healing and forgiveness of sin. These were his priorities. Do they look like yours? These are the things that should drive us. When we went through the book of Mark a little while ago, this was one of the statements that Timothy Gomes, uh, we quoted, a disciple is identified in terms of being oriented by the mission and the agenda of Jesus. That's, that's identifying if you are a follower of Jesus. Are you, are you, oriented, are you oriented just towards yourself and, and your own gains and your own success? Are you oriented by the mission of the one that you're following? So that's our mission, to be a disciple, to learn and grow, to be transformed by Jesus. And let me say this very clearly. We need to offer grace to each other in this. We're not all on the same place in this journey. But we walk together as family. So to be a disciple, to be a follower, but also to make disciples. And this is seeking to be obedient to the Lord's command. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, familiar to us in the church because it's the mission given to us by Jesus. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. It's our mission from Jesus. You know, in this last year, Tanya and I, we've had the privilege of, of traveling a little bit. We, in the spring, we went to, to Italy, and then we had a week with our friends who, who run a, a study abroad school in a chateau in, in Loire Valley in France. It's a pretty spectacular uh, place. Uh, this January, we spent some time in Las Vegas. And, you know, as I walked around Rome and Las Vegas, I was struck with this overwhelming uh, sense of, of how. How do we reach these people? 
How in these massive places with so many people, with so many backgrounds, ethnicities, and languages, how do we go about accomplishing the mission of Jesus? Even going to the mall in Lethbridge at Christmas, you could feel that way. There's people, so many people. Where do we begin? Well, I want to leave you with, as we close today, just three kind of reminders just to help us as we say, okay, if this is our mission, how are we going to do this? First of all, remember the mission priority of where God has placed you. Okay, you have a mission priority. That's uniquely among your family, your friends, your school, your workplace, your sphere of influence. That's your mission priority. That's exactly where God has placed you. It might change. You might be called out of that into a new place, new city, new neighborhood. But that is your mission priority, the people that you rub shoulders with every day. When I used to do some evangelism training with youth, we, we called this the love path, the love path. And it's your location, your occupation, your vacation, and your education. That's who do you love? Who's in your mission field right around you? Location, where do you live? People on your street. Your occupation, where you go to work. Your work colleagues. Your vacation, where, where do you spend your leisure time? What do you do for fun? Are you engaged in like sports or, or hobbies or things like that where other people you cross their path? And education where maybe you go to school or involved in something of learning. So that's just an idea. But that's your mission priority. That's where God has placed you. You start there. Don't forget that. Secondly, you remember that you share the mission. You're not an island. You're not alone. We call it the church, the gathering, the assembly. This is here, but we go from here out into the world, but we don't go alone. We share the mission. N.T. Wright says this, the church exists, in other words, for what we sometimes call mission, to announce to the world that Jesus is its Lord. This is the good news, and when it's announced, it transforms people and societies. Mission in its widest as well as more focused senses is what the church is there for. God intends to put the world to rights. He has dramatically launched this project through Jesus. And those who belong to Jesus are called here and now in the power of the Spirit to be agents of that putting to rights purpose. The word mission comes from the Latin for send. As Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so am I sending you. You're not alone. You share the mission as a church, and we're part of the local body. Third and finally, we have to remember, we don't do this in our own strength. We have to remember where the power comes from. Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The early disciples, they waited. They didn't just rush out and do it. There might have been some that just really wanted to get out there and let's go do this. But they were told to wait, that they would receive power, dunamis, explosive, dynamite power that comes from the Spirit to be bold, to be witnesses. That's where the power comes from. And then we remember the words of Jesus that he has all authority in heaven and on earth, and that he is with us to the very end. 
we have the power and the presence of Jesus with us. So again, our, our mission statement is this. Out of a growing love for God and compassion for others, our mission is to be and to make followers of Jesus. You know, I, I have no interest in, in a, a cute little mission statement that, you know, you can print or post or preach on. The mission, like all the things that we'll be sharing about in this series about our values, is significant only if it's owned and lived by all of us. And so I ask you and I invite you, will you join us in this mission? Let's pray.